if you guys and girls can hear that, then you know you're in for a treat because it's time for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Reed, and I'm pleased to be here at the service of Website Amp and Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, our sponsors who let us do this every week. I've got the best job in the world, so I get to just chat poker with folks like John Somsky, Rob Washam, and Tim Fritz. Gang, why don't you introduce yourselves to Rec Poker Nation and tell them where they can get a hold of you. Well, you kind of just did introduce us, but I'm John Somsky, Poker Geek <laughs> MN everywhere. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 everywhere. I'm Tim Fritz, and I'm Misclick Donkey everywhere. And I think I mentioned it, but just in case, my name's Jim Reed. I'm Bluffs to Reedy in the home game, and you can find out about me and the rest of the Wrecking Crew by going to rec.poker slash crew. And uh, if you don't know what Rec Poker is, we're just a group of uh, folks that love playing poker, love learning poker together, and it's free to join this little uh, cabal. So head over to rec.poker. All it takes is an email address and a smile, and uh, you can play in uh, home games and win prizes, post in the forums, uh, join our Twitch conversations, and uh, all sorts of other fun stuff like that. So come give us a try uh, over at rec.poker. One thing we do every week is we take a post from the Rec Poker forums. And we talk about it here on the air. So this is a post by Max Chaos, friend of the show, Greg Clem, who's done a couple interviews with some of our core team members uh, over the time. And uh, this is about developing a home game or a league strategy. So I'll introduce the question from Greg here, and then we'll uh, see what the gang has to say about it. So Greg says, I recently joined a local poker league that has a hold'em tournament every two weeks. I'm looking for some thoughts, feedback, suggestions on developing a strategy for approaching the game. Some additional details. There's three tables. It's a pretty well-run format. There's a point system. And so it's, uh, there, you have to kind of keep track of points throughout the, throughout the series. That'll become relevant later. Uh, each game, there is a bounty on the head of the person that won the previous tournament. There's an optional, uh, uh, basically a kiddie pool that goes towards the WSOP tournament. Um, there's a lot of different kind of aspects that come into this and he's got some notes about the play, not a lot of three betting, um, some winners and a lot of sort of break even players and, uh, you know, a pretty good mix of recreational players, thoughtful people and people that are just there to have a good time and, and aren't too worried about playing good poker. So he asks a few very specific questions and there's, it's a great post. There's a lot of general stuff and a lot of specific stuff in here. So I encourage our members to go check it out. Um, but right off the bat, I know Rob, you've worked in this kind of area a lot before you've got some experience with this kind of stuff and you put a really good response out here along with a couple other members. So when you're thinking about this kind of thing, what's, what's the top of mind for you and what kind of advice would you give our friend Max or uh, friend Greg here? I think, uh, Greg was looking for an overall strategy, um, for the, I guess you'd call it tournament or for the league. And I don't know if that's necessarily what you want to do. Uh, it's a point league. So the idea is to finish as high as you can each session to get as many points as you can. Now, he doesn't get into how the points work and what they mean at the end. Uh, but I've been involved in some leagues where um, we had a, a – finishing night the last night was uh for all the goods whatever the prize was and or whatever the overall prize was and this in this case it was a main event seat and what they did is they took the points and based on the number of points you had you 
it gave you the number of chips you would start that final turn tournament with. So the higher you finish, the more points you would have. So it was very important to finish as good as you could each week. So instead of having an overall strategy, I looked at it um, trying to develop a strategy against each individual player. You can do this. It's kind of like if you're playing the same people every week on uh, you know, Poker Stars or ACR, you can develop their tendencies using Poker Tracker 4. But obviously here you can't, but you are playing against the same players. So you can start understanding how each player approaches a game. There are some players that are going to be very competent. There's some players that are going to be very ABC. There's some players that are going to have a, a little more, a better strategy than that. So you really uh, tend to fashion your strategy against individual players as opposed to the whole player pool. And so what I did is I started taking notes on the players. I showed in the forum post, I gave uh, one of the quick one day I started making notes on everybody at the two tables that we were at and uh, you know, that I could use going forward. I could understand the type of player they were based on what I seen them do. Nice. Uh, and you take such good notes, Rob. I know we've talked before about uh, live, live note taking and, and how that kind of helps you actually decide on strategy and different lines you're going to take in them in, in hands in real time, because you're thinking about, what that means for your opponent's range, right? Right. Yeah. Sorry, John, what were you saying there? Well, so another thing you can do, it really depends. Most of these types of tournaments have points, which go towards like who gets the prize. In this case, it's a 1K WSOP seat. And then you also are getting payouts for the tournament itself. And you can actually use ICM formulas using the points instead of the payouts to figure out what the IC, how the ICM works as far as points are concerned. Mm. Usually points tend to be a little bit flatter in most things I've seen than payout structures are. Um, but then you have to kind of balance those two things because it may be right to say, okay, by being a little bit more conservative, I have less of a chance of winning this individual tournament but overall i am going to increase my points which gets me to the 1k and you kind of have to decide you know what the payouts are now and where how to get the most value out of it it's not complicated or i mean it's not easy but <laughs> it's uh you can calculate it just like anything else and then how you compare those two i don't really know but you, it is something you can solve for, basically, is what you're saying, just depending right. on on the structure and, and your priorities there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think definitely knowing the value of the point system is key and how that should affect your play in those in those spots, um, particularly as you get further into the season and it becomes more clear how many points you're going to need or who you're competing against and that kind of thing. Um, what about other and, and obviously Rob's point about note taking is pretty key. Uh, and I guess, you know, Rob, your answer to this next question is going to be, it doesn't matter. You just take notes on the individual players and you play against them. But what what kind of assumptions can we make about the player pool uh, that's going to be playing in something like this? Or because, you know, until we get notes on anyone, we kind of have to make some assumptions and generalize. Is there are there certain things that we're going to be thinking about ways to exploit them or ways to 
not out level ourselves or something like that? What, what kind of what kind of that what what should we think about? What should we be thinking about on that front? Well, one of the things that I noticed was there was very little change in how people played throughout the year. This was a year long mm-hmm. um, that I was in, and I've been in a number of them that are year long. People are pretty much, they have their fixed strategy and it doesn't really change much. So if you can change your approach based on the individual players, um, that is going to be a huge advantage for you mm-hmm. uh, because they're not going to change a lot. They're, they're, they have their routine that they go through. Um, in other words, they're not taking notes. Most of them are not taking notes on you. <laughs> Most of them are playing pretty standard. Um, like I say, ABC type poker, a lot of them, uh, you know, the guy that's in the corner and he's tighter than, than anything you've ever seen. And, and he raises everybody folds cause they know he's got aces or Kings, right? I mean, that's, you have that guy and then you have the guy that's going to play every hand and uh he's gonna fold if he doesn't have it and he's gonna call if he does and he's gonna raise if he really has it it's pretty pretty easy to to range them and understand where they're at so you have to adjust your strategies based on that and not worry too much about them catching up and if somebody does catch up and changes their strategies you're going to see it right away because you've been taking notes and you Mm -hmm. understand what you can expect them to do. So when they do something unexpected, you go, Oh, I better change my, what I range them at or how I, how I perceive them. Yeah. I think that's a good point. And I think, you know, the less experienced a player is um, the worse they're going to be at even being aware of, of what their leaks are and, you know, let alone disguising them or, 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 you know, working around them. So I think you're going to, find the players just by observing a little bit who are making the kind of mistakes that you should already know how to exploit. Once you now know, oh, this is the kind of player that fits that player type, you should already have some exploits in mind for how to exploit that. So players that are open limping, players that are inelastic to sizing, um, players that just are way too wide and sticky, um, players that overfold, you know, you, you don't need to develop a whole toolkit for how to work against those players. You just need to figure out which ones are which and which ones you can confidently draw those circles around and take them to value town, baby. So I always think about uh, like sizing being one of those general exploits. Yeah. Tim, you're reading my mind. Where, where did you want to take gonna that? Say, I was just going to say that um, yeah. uh, with the, like with the sizing, like you, this is a note that you can get on somebody within just a couple hands. Um, you know, where like, okay, they're opening to like, you know, most people have standard like two and a half or three big blinds, mm-hmm. but th- oh, this time they went to five big blinds. Mm. Okay. You know, what's their hand or, or this time they just limped. Um, but every other time they've opened to two or three big blinds. So, okay. So if you limped, like usually like some people will do that with aces trying to get creative, but for the most part, it's usually like, okay, I have a small pair or some weird small suited connectors and i just want to see a flop for cheap but then when they go big you're like okay well you probably got ace king you know kings king queen suited you know something strong and like that's just some stuff that you can make mental notes of like pretty much right off the bat like when i go play live that's the first thing i look at is people sizing 
Yep. And, that, and that's a good thing because, you know, when we're thinking about what to write down and take notes on these players too, we got to think about like what's going to be high yield information, what's going to be reliable information, what actually makes good notes. Um, so sizing is a good one to be thinking about like that. And also how they respond to sizing, you know, people that fold at a high frequency to very, very small bets. Uh, those are great. Those are great people to be able to just exploit. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Because most of your range, let me remind you folks, most of your range is not value. So getting people to lay cards down is extremely helpful. Um, uh, and then what, what are some other, before we get to halftime here, what are some other things that we can kind of pay attention to and make some reliable notes about limping? That's a good one. Open limping. Uh uh, sizing issues. Are there any other kind? I mean, even just the mechanical problems with chips, you know, people that aren't yep. used to handling chips uh, that, that can just tell you a lot about how savvy they might be about poker math or um, that kind of thing. You never know. Um, another thing that I've always noticed, just kind of a live tell from people, even, even if they do check um, a lot of people will naturally, like if it's a board that they connect with, they always look at their chips like they just ah, give yes. a little, they give a little glance down to their chips. They might check, but like, say if they're out of position, they might check, but they're looking at their chips because in their heart, they want to bet. <laughs> just, just yeah. a little, a little tell. Often if they glance right after seeing the cards, if they look at their chips or your chips, that's a good tell of strength because they're trying to figure out they're imagining your chips coming over to beat their chips. Right. <laughs> they're going to be yep. friends. Their chips are going to hang out together. <laughs> another, another thing that is really, um, if they're not stack aware, you know, mm. if you'll see people just bet down till, <clears throat> you know, make a bet that should be all in, but they don't, they just, they just keep betting the normal sizes not understanding how many chips they have behind them or how many chips they have in relation to the chips and to the pot. And, and when they do things like that, you look at them and you go, well, what are you doing? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense at all. And it's just that they have, they have a hand and they're betting their hand. And that's all they see is that they have X amount or they have X hand and they're betting that hand without any, consideration to the stack size or the size of the pot or those types of things. So when you see that, you can understand that they don't really get how stack sizes and SPR mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, three betting is another thing that I always note um, because some people just aren't comfortable three betting is not part of their game, but they might even think it's rude. Um, and so the, you know, the people that are going to three bet, especially at a, at a, at a relatively high frequency, you can make other assumptions about them and about what they're going to be doing on future streets. And, um, but you know, that's a sample size thing too. Sometimes, sometimes people do get dealt aces one orbit and Kings the next, that's not something that you can control, but, um, if it's always in late position and it's always against the person you'd be three betting, uh, you know, you can maybe put two and two together there and this is probably an aggressive player. Yeah, most of the people that you know you play against in these types of leagues, they're not three betting with anything other than ace king, kings, aces, queens, maybe. Yep. You know, right. It's it's very uncommon to see a three bet with a ace jack offsuit. <laughs> For instance, right. You know. And and always, always pay attention to the guy who's been drinking. 
Has he, has he had too much tonight? Yeah. If he has, there's a good chance you're going to get his chips. <laughs> Someone's going to. Well, I know. In my home game, that's usually me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been known to. I've been known to get to the bottom of a can of Grolsch mid game uh, uh, from time to time. I'm also Just- notorious if I've had too many. I'm really good at. I'll tell you what my hand is, especially if I have a made hand. I'll tell you. I'll just I'm tell right, you. I'm writing this down. Like, hey, I, I've, I've got top set here. I've we got gotta, top set gotta, here. Like, you can fold. We have to invite Tim to our home game. Yeah, let's get Tim yeah. up to Minnesota. Make sure we have lots of beer around. <laughs> You'd be surprised how often you actually get called. On I got top set. You can fold, but I mean, yeah, if, you call, yeah. if you call, you're going to bust and have to rebuy. Well, that kind of goes with what I was just saying. Just, just because they're drinking doesn't mean they can't get good hands that's, that's also true that's, that's true that's awesome all right well let's hear what our friend uh, john little has to say and then uh, we'll catch up on the back end have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead what do you do when you have a flush draw do you raise it or do you just call what do you do with ace king when you miss the flop are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. So I do want to encourage people to head over to uh, rec.poker slash forums. And if you look up this one by Max Chaos, it's called Developing a Home Game slash League Strategy. And there's just a lot of good stuff in here. We're not going to get into all of it on the air, um, but there's some great questions, some great answers, specific strategy questions, big picture strategy questions, note taking, um, a lot of great stuff in here. It's all for free. And if you're enjoying this kind of stuff, and you don't need to be a premium member to enjoy the forums or the groups or the podcast or Twitch or Discord. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff that we do for free. And uh, YouTube, a lot of the YouTube videos are free. You can go check that out at YouTube slash Rec Poker. And um, if you, you know, if premium membership's not for you, there's lots of other ways to help us out. You can go to rec.poker slash support and find ways to like uh, or rate the podcast or subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, if you want to go to Patreon and help us out there, you know, a few bucks a month makes a big difference when it comes to keeping the lights on around here. It's a labor of love. So we all kind of contribute time and money and uh, effort and uh, more time. <laughs> but we love doing it because uh, we love poker and we love talking about poker with other uh, rec poker wizards like us. So, um, uh, yeah, so I think that might, unless you guys have anything else to add to this have, specific notion of it. Yeah, Rob. Just just one more thought. Um Typically, most of these players are not going to bet unless they have it. You're not going to see the the level of bluffing. So when you talk about blockers, you talk about um, you know um, draws that didn't come in and and those types of things. Um, more often than not, they're not going to be betting those on the river. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see a lot of those types of bluffs. So. Um, uh, there was a post-it note that I always put on my computer when I'm playing certain tournaments and it says they always have it. <laughs> so if they're betting on the river, you can overfold. Yep. And you know, the, I think the point that Rob's getting at there that, it, you know, isn't 
perfectly obvious is that even if they're still bluffing sometimes, they can still even be bluffing occasionally there. But I am with Rob 100%. They're not bluffing at a high enough frequency where you should be tailoring your response to their bluffing range. It's going to be heavily skewed towards value. There's not going to be enough combos of bluff there uh, to make it worth you calling down. In the long run, you're better off just folding and exploiting them by keeping those chips in your stack and not in theirs. Right. And uh, just to kind of build off that with river play, I always pay attention to this a lot on river play. If somebody makes, you know, a bet of some sort, pay attention to like, are they in a conversation? Are they usually Mm -hmm. talking? And now like, they're just instantly like not talking because if they in a conversation all night and they put a bet in on the river, that's one where you can be like, okay, like this guy is now very uncomfortable or I've no, I've noticed myself even doing it. Like when I have the stone cold nuts and I put a bet in, like I look at somebody and just try to start talking. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like get in a conversation with somebody like, yeah, I want to look as comfortable as possible here, you know, <laughs> or even with big bluff sometimes, but like you can, you can definitely like pick up on these reads like, Oh, this guy hasn't said a word all night. Now he won't shut up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. That's kind of weird. And you know, you know we had, uh, we had Zach Elwood on the show fairly recently and we talked about a bunch of the ways that that can be indicative of strength or weakness. And the one thing that he kept saying was, you know, this is all true, but the most important thing is to establish a baseline with that player. Right. And then right. how do they deviate from that baseline when it comes to tells? And like, what can you actually correlate that to when it comes to the strength of their hand? Because some people might get uncomfortable because they're like, oh man, this guy's going to call my bluff and that makes me uncomfortable. And some people could be uncomfortable. They're like, oh my God, I made the nuts. And what if they fold? Um, so right. you got it. Like, uh, it's, it's really comes down to like, uh, like we say, making good assumptions about players right. and then refining their range according to that. But I think, I think yep. that's exactly right. And, and rivers where you see a lot of that, uh, exploitable stuff as well. I think. So. Right. And I, I would say like, just from a home game standpoint, like your first few sessions, even don't really worry about, um, trying to exploit people. Yeah. I would say like play your game. Like Rob said, take your notes on people, you know, whether it's a mental note or you're actually physically like writing it down or putting it in your phone. But the first like few sessions, like just use that as a study session, basically for yourself to be able to find exploits in people later on. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I guess the last thing that I'll say on the strategy side of this is that um, sometimes you'll be in a structured tournament where these point games are, where if you just fold every hand, you can kind of fold your way maybe a third of the way through the points. And uh, like I'm playing in one of these where I had a I had a scheduling conflict, so I ended up getting really aggressive in the first couple orbits because I knew I had to go do something else in the middle and I wasn't going to be able to really, uh, unless I had a big stack, I wasn't going to be able to get through it. Um, and I was talking with some of the other players afterwards and they were like, well, no, like after, because I did buzz taking a very, very aggressive line of... Uh, they said, well, no, but like a couple of people that didn't show up, like their stacks were still in play before, like, uh, you know, when we got down to 11 handed or something like that. And so because the points matter a lot, uh, since some of these formats, you can even just just really be conservative early and uh, don't risk going out before the dead stacks, because depending on the format, you might just it might just be worth knitting up for a while. And and then getting getting a little fancier, getting a little frisky. Well, it's also also worth knitting up against the less accomplished players. 
mm-hmm. because right. they're the ones that are going to go out first anyway. You talk about that in any tournament. Right. You know, you can always look at the early stages of a tournament. That's where most of the weaker players are going to either get a lot of chips or go home. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, take advantage of those at that period and um, knit it up and only get involved when you have a really good hand and you're able to take those chips from those inexperienced players before they go home. Nice. Well, that really puts a bow on it. Um, kind of like we're putting a bow on 2021. I think this podcast episode is going to come out on New Year's Eve. So um, it's been a year to forget, folks. Uh, it's been quite a <laughs> it's been quite a run this last couple of years. I know everybody's had their ups and downs, um, but it's great being part of a community here. And I know I've spent more time with y'all than I have with my family over the last couple of years. And so it's great just to have people like you to talk poker with and. Uh, the listeners out there, I hope I hope you've had a, just a as great a 2021 as you possibly could, and you've got some exciting plans in mind for 2022. Um, before we let you go, let's talk just a little bit about some exciting plans that we've got in mind for 2022. So, uh, John Somsky, I know you're the home game director here at Rec Poker. Um, you run 10 or 11 home games a week, depending on the week, and we've got Marek Madness coming up in March. Uh, we've got mixed games happening on Saturday. Uh, is there anything, uh, what are you excited for in home game land in, uh, in 2022? I'm just excited to uh, continue the path that we've been going. Um, I'm not planning a whole lot more. Home <laughs> that would be hard to do. Each, uh, <laughs> each day and not a whole lot of differences, but you know, if you have any suggestions, go ahead and uh, contact me. You can message me on the Rec Poker forums or send me an email, John at Rec Poker. Uh, and uh, I'm just looking forward to. Well, I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, next year I'm going to do something more impressive, at least in, in my play in the home. <laughs> you know, Let's get so, you up there for performance of the year nominee. Well, yeah, we have uh, Jacob Kiki, who I assume by the time this is coming out has gotten his 20th win Smart of the money. year. Smart money uh, as of the recording, it's he's still at 19 uh, and several other. I mean, Kim Kilroy has had a phenomenal year this year. She has just been tearing it up. So it's interesting to watch all the players and I want to be in part of that conversation for 2022. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> what about you, Rob? I know uh, the book study is going strong with Michael Acevedo's uh, Modern Poker Theory. And uh, I don't have the details in front of me right now, but we got a chance to give away a, a video course to go along with that too. So that's pretty exciting. Someone's going to find now, a chance to win that. Hopefully by the time you hear this, we'll have, uh, you know, we'll have, a big contest going on for that. And we mm-hmm. can talk about that off, offline, but why don't we give it away during the Recce's award show? That's going to be coming up in January. That'd be a fun highlight. That'd to be, do yeah, then. that'd be great. Okay. Well, we're doing we it now because we put it on the air. Yep. Well, yeah, we <laughs> hopefully we'll have a whole bunch of contestants by then. Yeah. Because nice. we should be starting that here soon. That'll be fun. But yeah, I think hopefully we'll be finished with the modern poker theory by the time uh, the recce awards happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are. We're getting close. We're you know we got a, about a hundred pages left of the book, <laughs> so um, we should be pretty close to that. And then sometime in January, we're going to have uh, Michael Acevedo himself will be joining us, and we'll be able to do a Q and A about so cool. the book Modern Poker Theory. 
that he wrote. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to answer some of the questions that we've come up with through our uh, study sessions. So how cool is that? Be a lot of fun. Just some one-to-one access with Michael Acevedo as part of your rec poker uh, membership. You're the man, Rob. That's great. I'm so glad you've been uh, running with that. People are getting a lot, lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah, I know. I was really disappointed. I I was part of it in the beginning, and then I just it's a it's a the type of book you need to sink your teeth into. Yes, and I couldn't give it the time that it deserved to. Uh, but I do plan on catching up and watching all of the recordings in the archives. Yeah, there you go. When you have more time to dig into it, you'll have Rob and the gang leading you through chapter by chapter with all those slides and everything else too. And Tim, what have you got lined up in 2022? I know uh, you're rocking the Sunday morning uh, warm-up routine. That has been phenomenal, man. Yeah, yeah. So we do a DTO. It's a post-flop trainer every Sunday morning before the grind. The grueling grinds some Sundays can be, but (laughs) it it really helps get your mind right. And, you know, it just it helps with post-flop play. I mean, whether they have... I mean, there's ICM study, which we haven't even begun to double dabble into. We're still in mainly doing single race pots at this point, but um, yeah, we're just kind of working through things and it's just, it's really helped me understand solvers. I know like Mm. I was doing solvers before um, with coaching and everything. And like some things I just couldn't understand percentage wise, because I wasn't necessarily like running the solves myself or diving deep into them, but it's, it's just, everything's all right there. And so, you know, you just click on the hand and, oh, okay, like they're betting this hand 40% of the time, you know, this hand, oh, you're, you're barreling with it big 60% of the time. Oh, okay. Here's my bluffs. Here's my nutted hands. It's just, it, it's really eye opening and it's a great way to warm up because let's face it. It's a lot better to make mistakes on an app where you're just kind of playing through doing some study and having fun with it versus in your, you know, $215 buy-in Sunday million, you know? <laughs> yeah, you said it, man. Well, and I really like the way you like, the, it's, it's really good at visual feedback, which is great. And it also, it, it gives you immediate feedback on your play where you can go back and sort of see what you could have done differently and why, break down the spot uh, in real time like that and see it all laid out. So I can, it, it, as a training tool and as a warm-up tool, I can see why it's really, really valuable. So um, keep it up, man. Those have been great sessions. I know, uh, uh, as, as more people catch on and get involved, it's just going to get better and better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. And like you said, like, you know, you can, you can see your EV loss right off the bat. Mm. As soon as you're done with the hand, it tells you like, sometimes you get excellent. You didn't lose any EV. Well, sometimes you blunder it and well, it just, it says start over, buddy. It's a blunder. <laughs> you blundered. <laughs> Well, uh, for myself, I'm looking forward to the Recce's Award Show on Wednesday, January 26th. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're going to do a better job of getting everybody on camera this time. So I, I do want people to dress up a little spiffy. Let's see what we can show Rec Poker Nation. Um, yeah, that's right, Rob. I want to see, let's get a little bow tie on there or something. I did a purple bow tie last year, but I'm going to change it up. Maybe something Steeler colors because we're playing. The I, was not, I was not on the live so it didn't matter right well we're gonna get you out there we're gonna get you out there this time um so yeah the reckies i hope everyone comes and joins us for that at 6 30 central um on wednesday 26th and uh, we'll be giving away a bunch of prizes there we'll be having some uh, surprise guests 
Uh, we'll be uh, announcing the winners of some awards. That's going to be a lot of fun. So do come and check that out. And um, I think just getting more live play, more live events, more rec poker road trips, uh, doing these collaborations with Learn Pro Poker, all these great partners that we have out there now, uh, like uh, Saul for Y and Gareth James, MTT Poker Academy, um, Red Chip, uh, PokerCoaching.com, of course. It's amazing. All these people that are working with us to help recreational players get better at poker and to enjoy the game more. So what could be better than that? So I guess uh, I don't have old Lang sign lined up, unfortunately, but um, I know uh, uh, we're all going to be thinking about our listeners out here as we round out 2021 and turn the corner into 2022 and beyond. So thanks to Running Aces, Hotel, Racetrack and Casino, website AMP, uh, of course, Dan and Chris and Max Chaos and 5x5 Five Five and John and Rob and Tim and all of you. Thanks a lot. Happy and New, happy New Year. year. Happy New Year. <laughs>